Rock and Roll Research Podcast, where we share the super cool backstories and side gigs of the research and insights pros that you trust. So today's guest is Luke Kulik, who's from the great city of Chicago, the city uh, where, in fact, all three of my children were born. So I've got <laughs> a lot of love for Chicago. Feels like sweet home to me, uh, as I'm sure it does to you. <laughs> so uh, for the past Oh, nine months or so. Uh, Luke has been a senior director of sales at uh, a really great uh, marketing and consumer insights platform company called Protege. Uh, you may have well have worked with them in the past, just as I have at various stops in my career. Uh, I've always trusted Protege. They do great stuff, really reliable. And every time I talk to them, they seem to have something new. So uh, cool company, um, but not the place where Luke started his research career, which actually was at YouGov, uh, where he spent uh, just shy of six years, I want to say, in with uh, successive responsibility, progressive responsibility, we'll say. Uh, so, uh, yeah, welcome to the industry. That's great. Um, but the cool thing about Luke it isn't that he plays piano or guitar. It's that he also plays, oh, I don't know, violin, uh, saxophone, most woodwinds, drums, percussion, and God knows what else. And, 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 and. Ah, man, some people, I tell you. <laughs> so we're going to talk about all that and more on today's podcast. Welcome to the show, Luke. Thank you so much for having me, uh, Matt. Yeah, I've never never been on a podcast before, so uh, hey. honored to be here. This is fun, exciting. Um, cool. Thanks for the thanks for the, uh, the the warm plug in as well too. And uh, yeah, happy to be here. Awesome. Well, very excited to have you. Uh, there's a lot that uh, that we can dig into here today. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. But let's let's start as we usually do with with research. So how did you find your way to research in the first place? And tell us about what you're doing at Protege. Yeah. Um, so I, I sort of found my myself in, in research uh, by accident, where I think, you know, a lot of people uh, yeah. I've spoken to have sort of fallen into it. Uh, before I was, I was working in marketing and, and advertising, basically putting together everything from broadcast TV campaigns um, to marketing, to experiential, um, you know, selling advertising. And I, and I was uh, probably my late twenties. I was kind of actually getting somewhat burnt out from the industry. And there was a lot of like, you know, there was a lot of postulating at that time too. Like there wasn't so much of it backed by data. Um, but when we did actually, you know, use that data, that's really where I felt the most comfortable with it. So I was, I was kind of into, it. I didn't really pay attention too much in my stats classes back in the day. Um, but when I was older, I, I just, I was really fascinated by sort of the stories that we could tell, you know, from the data um, so one of my friends who was working in the industry, she recommended this company, YouGov. And I was like, I looked at their website. I was like, who is this company? I, I wasn't really interested just based on the way it looked. I thought it was like some government agency. Um, <laughs> so she got me to apply uh, multiple times. She kept sending me these, these job openings. And eventually I did it, talked to the people there. And um, and I really fell in love with what they were doing. And, uh, and, you know, I think for me, like, you know, over the years, what I've really loved is sort of the the democracy of, of market research. It's sort of like the, you know, the more people that are involved in these decisions that are made by these, you know, institutions that are supposed to serve us, you know, ultimately, the better that's going to be. And and I really yeah. love the sort of overarching philosophy of research. Um, and, uh, 
and yeah, you know, it's, it's just always exciting. It's new. There's a lot of, you know, repetition, a lot of the things we do, you know, um, day to day, but, but you always find some really interesting stories to uncover and, you know, exciting data points to stimulate media interest and drive, you know, um, all sorts of interesting strategies. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's been a great uh, shift and I've, I've probably no plan on uh, ever leaving the industry. So I'll, I'll be a lifer and, you know, hopefully I get to meet, uh, you know, anyone here that's watching uh, the podcast in the future. Yeah, cool. You know, I remember um, the thing that really struck me uh, falling into the research industry by accident, working on this project. I came to the realization that because at that time we were doing mail surveys and I was the one who was opening the envelopes, keying in all the data uh, and then tabulating it. Wow. And I remember the rush that I had on that first project when I realized I am the first person. In fact, I'm the only person in the world who knows this esoteric piece of information uh, that actually is very, very important, could drive, you know, million dollar decisions. I'm the only person who knows it. And I'm just <laughs> this kid that just graduated from school. And um, I just got such a thrill out of it. It was really cool. Um, and and I still get that feeling. Yeah, I know, I know the feeling too. When we would work with like QSR and, you know, a lot of companies that were doing product testing it's like hey i use this brand all the day every you know every day or you know often and now we get to see what new products that they're launching you know things that nobody else knows about what's the name yeah. of the new burger or you know uh whatever it is new soap brand um so it's like uh you know it's for me seeing that early on i felt like i was part of this like exclusive club you know yeah yeah that's right hey research is it's it's exclusive and that you've got to be cool to be it no you don't have to be cool of course. it's very inclusive but you're right when you know something that no one else knows it's really, it's really cool um so so tell us a little bit about your role then at protege yeah um so i work um more more or less on the new business team so uh my i wear a few different hats but um you know essentially my job is to be uh to work you know side by side with the client um you know help uh help them to formulate the best plan of action and then sort of bringing our team together and the right people um to ensure that everyone gets the the most reportable actionable outcome with the data and there's so many different um, you know, sources that we can pull from at Protege. And this is one of the things that I was really interested about the company. They're not just doing survey data, you know, they're doing, right. um, they, they have all different types, shopper data, you know, receipt capture, people are playing games with the platform, all these is fun and unique different ways so we can engage our panel. Um, so for us, that leaves a lot of room from a creativity standpoint to come up with different yeah. solutions. So, you know, I'd say half of my job is, is, you know, working with the clients sort of being the face, um, and um and and helping to uh you know to, to obviously grow our business and expand you know our reputation and our word of mouth um but also at the same time uh you know coming up with really fun you know unique strategies listening in with our some of our experts and we have some some uh absolutely brilliant folks um so it's always like a privilege just being able to listen to them um so uh so yeah you know that's that's basically it. you know i tend to uh do a lot of working from home, but, um, you know, try to try to go to as many conferences as I, as I can too. And, uh, um, you know, go out and travel every once in a while, you know, see some faces and, uh, and yeah. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Excellent. All right. So let's, uh, let's, let's talk music, man. So you play all of these instruments. like Too many, too many. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really impressive. Uh, cause a lot of them are just so different. I mean, it's not like the same discipline. So how, how did you get interested in that? And, and tell us kind of what you're doing now with music. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think when I first started, 
I was maybe on piano. I don't remember what song it was, but I heard a song and my mom played a little bit of piano. So I got into it right away. Um, so I played piano when, maybe from the time I was six or seven um, until uh, I was around 12. And uh, it sounds kind of cheesy because they play it on the radio all the time now. But when Santana's Smooth came on, I heard Santana yeah. and, and Santana's band and sort of the 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 beauty of his tone and his and the and the sort of melody and the the sort of passion that you could hear that was conveyed with with his style of guitar work, um, right. but also the band coming together too. The eth you know the ethnic uh, you know vibe, sort of the Latin you know yeah. uh, mix that they had with it. I'd never heard anything like that. So yeah. um, so I kind of shifted. I, I put down the keys and I started learning guitar, um, and I uh, pretty much locked myself in my room for like three years. You know, it's all I was doing. Um, and once you learn, once you learn one, you know, string instrument, and you know, you, uh, you, you get to the level where you feel like, okay, you know, I've, I've, I've done what I'm going to do with this instrument. Um, you know, if you're like me, you get repetition can get a little boring. So I was like, oh, you know, I want to try something else. So I started with violin, and then when you learn violin, you got to learn a little cello. And um, then I was playing like sitar and the Greek bazooki because I have some Greek ancestry as well too. Um, so I started getting into all kinds of the mandolin. Um, banjo is one thing I was never really that great at, um, but uh, but I do have one, so I play them once in a while. Um, and then from there, I don't know, it just kind of spiraled out. I heard someone playing sax on the street in Chicago. I like I listen to sax all the time, but just listening to them, it was just so powerful. Um, so I I picked that one up about five or six years ago. Um, and there's a lot of other things in between there, I guess, too. I would play like the Indian Bansuri, which is like a uh, sort of like Indian wooden flute. Um, that's a lot of fun. I just kind of like mixing the different genres together, too. Um, for yeah. me, like, you know, originality is is really at the the top. That's the thing that really inspires me the most. So when I see other bands and artists it's sort of like fusing together different genres um, and, you know, making music, you know, different genres more accessible to different cultures, I feel like is is something I'm really interested in. So I try not to limit myself, but uh, obviously there's there's a trade-off there. You know, when you're learning multiple, you know, so many instruments, it's you, you tend to well uh, not practice maybe your um, your central. <laughs> instrument, so um, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting, especially with a, a lot of those ethnic interest instruments that you mentioned from other cultures. It's not just uh, the actual technical element of playing the instrument, but it's also the different uh, structure uh, and uh, meter and mm -hmm. uh, you know percussive elements of the music that that also comes into play. So how, how do you think about that or work through those things? You know, it's it's like um, you know, for me, I usually start an instrument because I heard a sound that I liked. So it's like you know, I heard a song or I heard an artist, and in, in, instantly that's what I want to emulate. You know, I want to I want to get that down. So for me, it's like yeah. just finding the right tone. It's not about being technical and learning how to read, you know, the, you know, sheet music and translate sheet music, you know, from the sax to, to the piano. And because it's, it's, you know, there's, there's obviously like differences and nuances there. For me, it's just about getting that tone and that sound and feeling good playing it, you know, feeling those vibrations yeah. through your body sort of. Um, and then from there, I start getting a little bit more technical with it. Um, so I usually kind of have an idea of like a note or, you know, a song or a few notes that I want to play. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what drives me. Uh, and, and often, you know, it's like, hey, you start that, then you get that and then you put down the instrument, you don't play for a while. It's like, oh, hey, you know, you don't want to just limit yourself to that. But, um, but yeah, yeah you know, it's it's uh, it's 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 just kind of like letting your inspiration drive you. You know, there's a reason I picked up the instrument and, uh, you know, try to find new artists and new, uh, you know, 
new variations of you know things to you know pick up and play and and that's it you know try it's, it's always difficult trying to keep yourself motivated you know to, yeah to, to so is this a private studio passion for you or do you play in bands around chicago i know it's a great music scene there yeah no it's a great i so i in years ago i played in multiple different cover tribute bands um not not a big fan of John Mellencamp, but we played in the I played in the premier John Mellencamp tribute band in the U.S. and actually got to play with, got to play with the bassist and and the uh, and John for um, the bassist birthday one year too, so that was cool. Uh, I played in like uh, Led, Zeppelin wow. tribute, Led Zeppelin tribute bands, um, a couple others that are pretty well known around here. Um, so I did that for many years, and actually it was like a nice little side hustle for me. Um, but I just got so burnt out from the, you know, playing other people's cover music. So I kind of took a break from that and I started working with a lot of singers in Chicago. And we, we tried to develop some, you know, uh, uh, you, some albums. We I worked with individual singers. I worked with, you know, a few original bands, but nothing really kind of took off. Um, and lately what I've been doing actually is kind of working with, with uh, some electronic artists and fusing together blues with this sort of growing um, you know, sort of the rock and roll themed electronic that's going on right now too. So it's like Soultronic and all these different weird genres. They're coming up with new stuff all the time. Yeah. But trying to bridge that because that's sort of the new generation's rock and roll. You know, it's like yeah. people hear that now, like they heard rock and roll back in the day. Like, what is this music? You know, it's too loud. It's, you know, it's all of these things. And that's sort of this, this new style that's coming out. So connecting those two together um, is definitely something that's inter of interest to me. So so yeah, I do that. I work with like rappers, DJs, and they'll be like, can you put some guitar on this track or, you know, uh, add some piano here or some sax, whatever. Love it. Cool. Yeah. So, so you went, I mean, pretty, pretty deep on the music side, right? And now you've been in, in research, you said, uh, was it like seven years, eight years, something like that? Yeah. So is there anything you, you learned or any, or do you think you have some sort of innate quality or um experience that has been useful to you in on the research side yeah um yeah no definitely I think like you know it's it's like when you when you learn a new instrument you don't just like come up with your own style or sound right away you know you learn from some of the best people out there you know you get inspired uh and then really after that you can kind of make your own statement and I think that's a lot like with the professional career you don't just come in thinking like you know everything you know you right you listen, yeah. you learn Eric Clapton said something much more eloquently. I can't, but it's a sort of paraphrasing what he had said, and it's and it's right. You know, it's, you you have to listen before you can make your own statement. And it's same thing with when you're you know doing research or you're um you know you're doing sales. You know, you you have to kind of learn from the best. You have to copy and be okay with that, and then you'll see how your style changes and evolves until you have you know essentially your own sort of way of doing things um, yeah. that people can find like you know to to give an interesting perspective. Um, so that, and you know, hey, music requires a lot of discipline, like, you know, yeah. if, I, if I were just getting into it now, I don't think I could do it. But I had, you know, years and years of saying, putting the instrument down and saying, no, I got to come back to it. I got to finish the song. You know, I have to learn this or whatever. Um, yep. So, so that, that's definitely, I think, helped me throughout the years too. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I love that. I love that. Cool. Um, so, so in your time, um, in your time in research, yeah, a whole yeah. lot has changed, right? So you've, You've gone through the pandemic and everything. I'm curious to know from your perspective, uh, you know, what do you see as becoming important in the in the research space or will be in the future? Yeah, you know, I think you know, some of it's like uh, some of it is the same issues, I think, as when I 
started in the research industry years ago. I think a lot of it's like connecting data. You know, we have all these different yeah. data sources. How do we connect them? You know, how do we how do we you know add logic to data coming in from shopper receipts? You know, data to uh, back end. You know, to credit card data to primary research. All of these different segmentation analysis things like that. So I think you know people are still finding new and easier ways to connect this data and make sense of it. Um, and I and I definitely think that you know connected data and um, and visual finding new ways to visualize that, which um, obviously I'm you know put my sales hat on for a minute. Protege does that extraordinarily well, and that was one of the things that that was really interesting to me. Um, but uh, but you know I think what I'm really most interested and terrified I think at the same time is what AI is going to do to market research. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people have that similar sentiment. Um, right now I think it's been great. Like we even have an AI survey builder. Um, built into our our sort of DIY tool. Um, but you look at like what chat GDP and everything is doing now, it's like, you know, I wonder, I just wonder how that's going to change the research industry in the next few years. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think a lot of people are uh, kind of nervously uh, tracking that development and seeing where it goes. It's, yeah, something else. Uh, definitely not anything that I ever thought we would be, you know, thinking about and working through so soon. So yeah. I mean, yeah. you, you wonder what what is AI proof? Because now, you know, from music, have you seen any like the AI music that's being created now too? And oh, um, I don't even, I don't even want to. You don't want. You really don't want to. You don't want to <laughs> stay away from it. I mean, you see, like the AI art, it's pretty cool. But I never thought AI could generate a you know somewhat original sounding song, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. <laughs> crushing man all right uh being, being a drummer it's doubly bad i mean i already lived through the electronic drums and programs mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff i mean we, we don't even use electronic for the group that i'm working with i i really don't like the sound of analog drums um so we actually use real drums in our music nice. yeah so i thought you'd be happy to hear that yeah that's awesome i'm yeah. very happy very happy to hear that all right <laughs> keep it keep it drummer employed yeah <laughs> Okay, so uh, big broad question for you here. Uh, can be music, can be uh, research, can be anything. So when you think about the media that uh, you turn to for insight, enjoyment, or inspiration, what does that look like? Um, I mean, I'm a big fan of YouTube. I absolutely love it. Um, I've learned all of the instruments that I've learned since I was, because they didn't have YouTube when I was younger. You had to actually go in and get like a VHS and get the tabs or sheet music. Yeah. Not like that. Uh, or a teacher I, even. <laughs> yeah, or a teacher even. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I really love YouTube. It's, you you learn anything on YouTube. Um, I just learned how to do my plumbing in my bathroom. It's like on YouTube. <laughs> should, should never, shouldn't have done it. But um, so I, I love that because, you know, you see so many, um, so many different uh, renditions, especially when it comes from music, all, you know, different versions of the same thing. And, and I love when I can find something that's very familiar to me. And when I hear it, it sounds completely unfamiliar, but beautiful at the same time. And you know, it's like taking right. a song that's well-known and just turning it into something completely different. And that really, I think gives me, it gives me inspiration for music, but also just in life in general. It's just like, when you think you've, you know, you've finished something or you've created something, you know, kind of look a little deeper, you know, dig a little deeper and see, you know, what else you can contribute. Um, so I love that. And I, uh, my wife loves TikTok and I can't stand it. <laughs> She's on it nonstop. Um, but, uh, I love, I love YouTube. I think it's, it's just a great way educational. It's entertaining. Um, and, 
probably wouldn't work as a DJ because all my music is on my YouTube playlist. I don't think anyone uses it to generate playlists, but um, so <laughs> I use that a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I guess I just, I'm, I, I love originality. You know, I kind of mentioned that a couple of times, but I'm always seeking that. So, you know, outside of just regular media, I, I try to go to like open mics and things like that too. And, um, you know, that stuff really interests me. And, and, you know, from a, from a business standpoint too, you know, like, um, uh, you know, we, we, do a lot of like you know learning within protege as well too and and we sort of have not so much on like traditional social media but you know various platforms in which we can not only learn to be better you know like in our profession but just in general as well too you know uh how to how to manage your work day better and and uh and sort of make sure you're allowing time to take care of your you know your mind but also your body you know and, and other things like that so so yeah. i'm really into that kind of stuff especially now that i'm getting a little bit older my knees are getting a little you know a little bit more worn out and, you know, sitting down, staring at the screen all day. So, yeah, you know, I, I, it's, it's a, yeah, I try to find it in different ways. Um, but from a media standpoint, yeah, I think YouTube, if that's what you meant, um, you know, I think yeah. it's really been, really been clutch for me. Yeah, that, that works. You know, you mentioned uh, open mics and just to have an anecdote to share, cause it's about Chicago, just thinking Please. about it. Yeah. Um, so when, when my wife and I got married and started a family, we moved to Chicago um, and then we moved around a lot over the years. And so I had like this 15 year period where I wasn't playing drums, right? Um, and before that I was playing in all kinds of bands. I was kind of doing a jobber sort of thing after I did my thrash metal thing. Um, but the thing that kept me going was, do you remember this place uh, in the Gold Coast, Chicago called the Underground Wonder Bar? Oh yeah, yeah. I've I've actually never been there. Um yeah. but I'm, I'm I'm definitely familiar, yeah. Yeah, this is the original location. And so when we first moved to Chicago, uh it was a block from there. And um I would I would head in there on I think it was Sunday nights or else it was Monday nights. They had an open stage, and so they had a blues band there, um, super smoky bar, right? So you could barely see in front oh, of you. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and uh, they had a blues band uh, and you could grab any instrument, right? And then you go up there and say, what would you like to play? And get up there and I, I grab the sticks and right. say, let's play uh, uh, Sweet Home Chicago or let's play, uh, you know, Kansas City or something like that, right? Um, so we would, it was a very, very cool experience. I know it, it changed locations. I don't know if it's still open, but uh, I'm thankful for yeah. that. Oh yeah, those are hard to find too. I know Kingston Mines does one on Monday, but they have yeah. like a set band. It's hard unless you're going there and showing your face like every week. It's sort of yeah. like you know <laughs> they don't trust you. Well, they they'll they, they know me, but they're like, hey man, you haven't come in four sessions. This guy's come, you know, and uh, he was he was here the last three weeks. So so it's it gets competitive at those things. Yeah. Um, actually, at the so we're doing the market research at Quarks um, in Chicago. And I don't know if you know of like the market research jam band. Dude, somebody told me about that recently. I'm like, how yeah. did you know about this? I know. I was, I was, I surprised I didn't mention it too before our call uh, when we were talking earlier. Um, because yeah, it's like exactly that, you know. But it's there are they have certain you know sort of filled out uh, uh, list now. But I finally got them to let me do two songs. So I'm doing. Oh, nice. Um, am I doing Crossfire by Steve Ravon and Rock and Roll the lead? rock and roll solo for you know for Led Zeppelin rock and roll which by the way is a total, awesome. total mess that solo it's like it makes no it's like he had a stroke halfway through the, the 
but I have to relearn that one. Um, yeah, man, you should, uh, if you go to awesome. any conferences, you got to get in. Um, I know one of the guys that does the drummer, that does the drumming actually works here, uh, Kevin Lang at, uh, at Protégé. So okay, for sure. All right. All right. Bring him on your podcast, actually. He's, he's got some good, uh, good stories to tell. Okay. We'll talk. For we'll sure. talk. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. All right. So, so here's a big question. I mean, you've, you play all these instruments, uh, you know, you've, you've had exposure and passion across many different styles. So it's the big question. I don't know how much you've thought about this in your life, but you're, you're stranded on a desert Island, let's say, right. And mm -hmm. uh, you've got three records at your disposal to keep you company for the rest of your days. What are, what are those three? um well well i would ask if i if i could replace it with an instrument so i could you know not uh not have so much repetitiveness with the three but since i can't and i have to <laughs> um i would i'd probably say um led zeppelin four uh, okay. when, yeah. when the levee breaks is one of my favorite songs and, and going to california very relaxing so that would be like my relaxing song on that one. um yeah. uh, metallica black album you know, when, oh, I'm, interesting. when I'm hurt, when I'm in, when I'm in pain, you know, or when I need to work yeah. out or something, I need energy. Um, I got to hear, I got to hear some of that. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, I probably have to balance. I do love classical music too. Um, not a lot of people talk about that these days, you know, uh, but uh, I would probably bring along like Chopin, you know, greatest work, something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very uh, nice. Yeah. Very interesting choices. You got some metal on there, which just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't <laughs> sure if you would classify Metallica as metal, but to well, me, that's yeah. a, you know, metal that's uh Metallica V2. So it's not their thrash metal days, but still, you know, still pretty, I mean, it's metal for sure. I mean, yeah. You know, yeah. I saw, I saw them at, uh, in Chicago a few months ago, actually at the, uh, at the, what is it? Lollapalooza this year. Oh, nice. Yeah, they, they were awesome. Nice. Definitely check them out. Yeah. They still got it. Still got it. Awesome. Sure. Super cool. Well, <laughs> we've definitely uncovered some things that we need to follow up on after this uh, <laughs> after this podcast. So, uh, hey, it was great to meet you, Luke. I really appreciate mm -hmm. the chat. And I'll uh, talk very, very soon. Uh, let's let's do the thing at Quirks, man. Maybe we can uh, jam on stage together. So <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Um, but yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for having me on, man. It's been a lot of fun. Rock on. Make it happen. Rock and roll, man. Mm -hmm.